All right. Hi, everyone. This is Anthony Diaz with the Pop Health Show. And this show is for anyone that has a strong passion for health, technology, the convergence of these two topics. Along those lines, I'm really enthused and excited to have my guest on the show today. So we have Rich Robinson, who is an entrepreneur. Yeah, he's a tried and true entrepreneur. He's an entrepreneur in residence at Animoca Brands. And I'm just really enthused to have him on the show today. I'm not going to steal his thunder. Rich, welcome to the show. Anthony Diaz, ladies and gentlemen, give it up. I don't care if you're driving. I want you to clap. I want everybody to clap. What a prolific podcaster. Uh, great energy. Excellent to be on the pod. Thank you. Awesome. Awesome, Rich. I'm, I really appreciate it. You know, this is really about you, though. Uh, really, really enthused and excited. Yeah, about enough about me. Let's talk about myself. Yeah, let's talk about you. Let's talk about you inside yeah. out. But before we talk about you inside out today, tell us where you've been, where, you know, what led, led you to become the person you are. So but, well, let's start off with a big little small question of your origin story. Just love to he- hear, hear a little bit about it. Excellent. You can see in the background, a uh, little tropical background. It looks fake, but it's real. I'm now based <laughs> in Bali, Indonesia, became pandemic refugee with my family two years ago, this week, actually, uh, after 25 years in China, but grew up in Boston. And let's uh, let's glue that together. A, a kid from the city of Boston drinking cutty sack in the park with an Adbak and Mac and Mac. <laughs> and now he's in China and Indonesia. How did that happen? Hey, what are you in the witness protection program? <laughs> no, actually, uh, uh, never convicted. Never convicted. I uh, yeah, I went to uh, high school in like Southie Dorchester, and then um, I took my wicked hash Boston accent and attitude out to USC in Los Angeles and nice. got socialized in a um, very significant way. I think since then I've traveled to almost a hundred countries and I've lived in 10, but going from Boston to LA was probably the biggest sort of shift. And at USC, I realized they had an exchange program with Cambridge university. It's probably the oldest exchange program between a um, U.S. university and Cambridge. And my grandparents are Irish immigrants. So I, I grew up um, very closely connected to the Emerald Isle and old blighty, lots of, uh, uh, Irish end up in England. So I was like, I want to go there. So I, I studied at Cambridge University for the summer in 88. And then I did the ugly American whistle stop tour, backpacking around America um, <laughs> and uh, uh, loved it. Uh, absolutely loved it. And I remember feeling super proud of myself. I've been traveling for four weeks. Other people only been traveling two weeks, you three yeah. weeks, me four weeks, I'm like wow. Indiana Jones. And then, uh, <laughs> I meet a guy from Australia and he was like, I don't know, mate, four, four and a half years. And I was like, what? Like it didn't even, you know, uh, it didn't even compute. And he uh, changed the trajectory of my life. He told me that he was broke as, um, and you can imagine Vizazi broke as, as what. And uh, so he just worked and traveled and he was also afraid of flying. So he had done everything by boat or land. And he was only, you know, two thirds of the way through in four and a half years doing his walkabout. Um, He said, you know, listen, mate, there's only four swaths of land. North South America is one. Europe, Asia is second. Africa and Australia. And that's it. And I never thought of like the world as like a silhouette. And he's like, you do those four overland trips. You can see and hear and feel, but you can smell the world, mate. You can smell it. And I was like, I want to smell the world. I want to do that. So I graduated and I made a deal with my parents. I'm just going to work and travel. And I did that for almost four years. I was a bartender in the Virgin Islands. This is like 89, 90. Mm -hmm. Then I was a ski bum in Switzerland back in near that village where I met that guy. 
Mm. Um, all the revolutions that happened in Eastern Europe, the Velvet Revolution in Prague. So I moved to Prague uh, um, as an English teacher. And then I picked grapes um, in France and I worked in a fishing village in Norway and another ski season in Switzerland. And then I worked at the BMW factory um, in, uh, in Munich. And then I, I, I did that first overland trip. I mm. completely followed in his footsteps, four years of working and traveling. And then um, I went uh, to Hong Kong from Switzerland by, uh, by train um, through uh, Ukraine, Moscow, Siberia, uh, Mongolia, China, down to Hong Kong. Mm. And this is uh, winter of 93 and mm-hmm. had very low expectations for the Middle Kingdom. Uh, China, for me, was a Peace Corps destination. The 80s, when I was in school, was marked by uh, Russia taking over the world uh, or destroying it um, or Japan taking over the world uh, mm. before Russia destroys it. And there's the Cold War and the rise of Japan. China was definitely not really, you know, um, on the radar and uh, still Tiananmen hangover by 93. But then I got there, Anthony, we crossed the border from Mongolia and the dragon just Game of Thrones style. <laughs> like just dug her, dug her talons into my chest plate and, uh-huh. uh, you know, and then, then the dragon and I had two kids and now we're amicably divorced, but, um, we're, we're still good friends. Uh, but I'm, thank you. I'll be here a week. But, uh, I knew that I knew then that China was the biggest story of our life. Yeah. The biggest story of our collective lives, the rural, the urban migration, the increase in GDP per capita, the, you know, just energy and pace and pulse. And indeed, I'm writing my first book that's coming out in the next, um, you know, quarter or two called at the speed of China, like at the speed of light. And I've started a podcast around that, which is launching soon. And it just, you know, the thesis is four years outside of China is a year inside China. So generation 20 years is a half decade. Things just happen fast there. And it's for better and worse. Um, And that's what the book is about. Raise awareness. um, Learn learn from that. So fell in love with China, traveled around the rest of Asia. I came here to Bali um, as well, too. But I knew China was the place and got my MBA in Europe, 94 to 96, and uh, fell in love with the interwebs. While I was there, August of 94, first web browser came out. Mm-hmm. So I just followed my epiphanies, my passions both time. And it's like China, internet, chocolate, mm. peanut butter. You got your China, my internet, you got your internet in my China, you know, Reese's peanut butter cups. That's like a, a TV <laughs> commercial from the seventies, I think. Oh yeah. But, uh, um, or maybe, maybe it's still around, but I, I just knew I had to, you know, smash those two together. So I had no money, no job, lots of student loans. So I got a one-way ticket when I graduated to Africa. And then I, I rode a bicycle through Africa. I was like, that's my kind of last crazy adventure. Wow. And I rode me to Cape Town, um, 5,000 kilometers. I did 4,000 oh by bike. And it was you know exhilarating and exciting. It was kind of like a startup. This is going to be great. This is going to be great. This is going to be great. And mm-hmm. then a few weeks into it, you're like, whose idea was this? Anyway? <laughs> <laughs> right? And uh, But the beautiful part of startups and travel is that most life is around the baseline every once in a while high high low low but um if you really want those highs you've got to go all the way down yeah have like a much wider sort of ekg yeah will of life and travel and entrepreneurship does that yeah you know um and the beautiful part is when you get down to the low lows you're like you know you ain't so bad you ain't so bad i you know is this best you could do right it's like it's like a sergeant dan from Forrest Gump, like at the yeah. top of the mast during the hurricane, he's like, "Is this the best you can do? Bring yeah. it!" Right, and then you just start to, you know, 
crave that uh, sort of like crazy, you know, sort of challenge and you yeah. know, um, the 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 OVO moments. I call them the oh, it's over. Um, yeah, and then but then you somehow pull it out. Uh, so I, I did that trip, and then I showed up in China in '96 to be an internet guy. And <laughs> someone forgot to tell the internet to show up before I got there. Um, forgot the oops. There yeah. was you know less than a million people on the internet in China. And now there's a billion. Yeah. Uh, so I went to Hong Kong. There were more people online in Hong Kong with a population of six million. This is pre handover um, mm-hmm. than there were in all the mainland. Spent four years in Honkers, um, the curiously fragrant harbor. And uh, I started my internet career. And over the almost you know quarter century that I was in China, four in Hong Kong, 20 in Beijing, I did uh, eight startups, three as an executive in private companies that went public and uh, started um, five others, exited three to publicly listed companies, mostly consumer internet, mm-hmm. um, some in gaming as well too. And I've been involved with 50 other companies, like really like in the war room as a board member, you know, mm-hmm. angel advisor. And three, four hundred others as a mentor. I've been a keen, active mentor. China Accelerator, Hacks, Stanford Ignite, uh, Tsinghua Accelerator, five hundred startups. And I'm a, I'm a professor of entrepreneurship at uh, Peking University, the the Guanghua MBA. I teach entrepreneurship in China, and I've taught at Tsinghua and Alibaba. So I just love the art of the start. And um, I last few years I've been doing a lot of advisory work, um, kind of CEO whispering. Uh, mm-hmm. Helping companies, especially during COVID, some companies the wheels started blowing off. They grew 4x up mm-hmm. to 16x, and you know, trying to help them, you know, ed tech, gaming, payments, uh, you know, keep uh, keep moving forward. And one company I joined as an advisor last year called uh, Animoca Brands, and mm-hmm. I know the founder and chairman from the dot com boom times in the 90s in Hong Kong, and. Uh, you know, because I'd sort of been covered in scabs and calluses and scar tissue, I guess, Web 1. You know, Web 1 was 1990 to 05, and that's kind of the, the read-only era. You can just, mm-hmm. you know, kind of like online brochure. You know, Web 2, 05 to 2020, read and write. You know, by write, I mean post something to YouTube or Facebook mm-hmm. or Twitter. Um, but now we're in the, you know, Web 3 era, read, write, own. Mm-hmm. Web3 is on-chain and you can own and yield digital assets. And that's super exciting. And that's what Yatsio, the you know, founder and chairman of Animoca Brands, has really you know, pioneered in, in, in many ways around gaming. Mm. And um, uh, super exciting. And you know, I've now um, become full-time as an entrepreneur in residence, focusing on play to earn. And that's nice. what makes me uh, excited. Nice, nice. Bounding, bounding out of bed. And, you know, with your experiences, it's, yeah, it's like this big, big, vast contrast of like a Forrest Gump type, like global experience that you've had. You, you walk away with so many different virtuals for a growth, growth mindset, you know, discipline, probably learning how to just how people operate, behave, what drives them. Um, that is to drive a thread through that a little bit more. It sounds like that kind of served as the, the foundation of, of driving your mindset on helping, you know, web two companies grow, grow them, scale them, start them, et cetera. But mm-hmm. in this web three world, I'm kind of curious and, you know, web, the convergence of like web three play to earn what's, what are you starting to see as the, the, the differential mindsets? Cause everyone's trying to figure out web three grow at growth and scale. There's so many mega companies that are just popping up out of nowhere and growing scale. What are, what's one or two things that you're seeing that 
is critical for a Web3 company that goes from like idea to like that 16x that you're seeing? I'm just kind of kind of curious. Yeah. I think fundamentally, you know, the underlying structure is the same. I mean, Web3 mm-hmm. is upside down crazy town in right. some ways. There are right. some things that are really different. And, you know, I can I can dig into that. But I think, you know, one sort of guiding principle or guiding light um, is this, um, you know, more like a handbook, philosophical handbook of stoicism. Mm. It's something that I've really, you know, um, internalized and advocated uh, for, you know, the last couple of decades. There's a lot of, I even have a talk um, in Chinese um, mm. where I sort of like channel it to, um, to, to Chinese people. And, and, you know, basically the, the, the fun, the fundamentals of stoicism has really helped me so much is that, you know, almost nothing is in your control. It's almost ridiculous how little is in one's control. Mm-hmm. You know, your, your staff's not really in your control. Um, they're under your, you know, sort of influence and motivation and you can incentivize them like competitors. Definitely not the market. Definitely not even outcomes in your company are not in your control. You can only control really your output, but mm-hmm. really the only two things that are within one's control is effort and attitude. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's action and reaction. That's it. Like you are a thousand percent in control of your, uh, reaction to whatever happens and a thousand percent in control to how you intend to act once something has happened to you and you've chosen how to respond to it. And mm. that's it. Uh, everything else is really very wobbly and you're, it's going to disappoint you, mm-hmm. but, uh, uh, you, you can wake up knowing and, and, and therefore if one can wake up knowing that, okay, my action and my reaction is the only thing in my control, but I really, really control that. Then yeah. what are you doing every day to optimize for that? Right. And just slightly improving it. And for me, it's sleep, diet, exercise, meditation, journaling, uh, you know, time, uh, with, uh, with good people. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, all of those things, sleep, diet, exercise, meditation, journaling, time with good people, all of those things every day, I try to make some sort of, you know, uh, commitment to and tweak an improvement. Mm-hmm. Like I just added, a, um, you know, something, um, there's a guy named Huberman. He has this sleep cocktail aid, um, you know, uh, uh, that I, that I just started taking to help me, you know, sleep more deeply. And I've gotten my, my sleep patterns much more, you know, regimented. Uh, mm. since, you know, since COVID and I've been meditating, um, every day, uh, for the past, uh, seven and a half years, once I, um, learned how to do transcendental meditation. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my, my, my diet, you know, pulling one of three levers that Dr. Peter Atia talks about, which is, you know, what you eat, when you eat and how much you eat, you know, and then, you know, exercise it's push, pull legs, you know, three different, you know, weightlifting, um, uh, extra, you know, uh, sessions a week. Uh, three different cardio, and then at least one, maybe two sort of flexibility. And some of those overlap. So I do, you know, four to six days a week of, of the exercise and then mm. journaling every morning after I meditate. Um, I have a, a one, one line journal that I summarize the day before. And then I use daily stoic by Ryan holiday to help um, guide some of my journaling. But if I have a lot of garbage in my head, I just let it flow out through my fingers. Mm. If I have something anxiety or rumination, I just say, okay, you know what? I, I see you. I acknowledge you. Let's, let's put it on paper tomorrow. Mm. Um, and then time with friends, like 
these days it really means a lot of zoom calls, but I have 50, um, uh, um, I have a list of 50 people once a week that I'm catching up with for the rest of mm. this year. And I did the same thing last year. And, and, and like, you know, like it's okay. Like victory is assured. If you just, right. if you tick off all of those boxes and just keep going, yeah. then, then it, you know, victory is, is assured and yeah. you can just focus, just go back, back to those things. Yeah. I love it. I love it, Rich. And yeah, you know, it's like you're embodying, you know, this, this, uh, this psychology behavior that's in all of us as humans, as the, the yearn to, to kind of make life a game, to make it adventure, to, to make it challenging. I mean, everything doesn't have to be playful in the game, but it's, it's, uh, you know, on a meta level, taking that psychology and bringing that into, you know, that's what we all want as humans. Right. And sometimes, you know, what we choose to do all through the day, um, you know, we don't, we sometimes don't have that gamification kind of that we've imposed on ourselves, but, you know, if you can create an experience for others, uh, and have it be more rewarding, I think that's the exciting part of like web three and, you know, the infrastructure that's been, that's been growing to, to enable that and bring that out of our, our, our ourselves and out of our souls. Um, Rich, tell, tell me a little bit about, you know, how you taking your mindset here. Tell me, tell us a little bit about play to earn. What is play to earn? Why is it important now? Um, you know, and, and tell us some of the things that you're seeing as it's uh, thematic things in play to earn and, and why it's important. Is it, is it more than a market size? Is it a societal shift? Is it, you know, what is play to earn? And maybe you can unpack that for us. Mm, so typically, historically, a game developer would ask, you know, how do, how do we make the most money out of this game? Right. Uh, and uh, that doesn't mean that you just want to, uh, you know, scorched earth and just you know strip mine everything but you you, yeah. you want to optimize um profits for the for the game um you know while while also keeping the gameplay you know compelling as well too right you don't um you, you have to keep refreshing things but but i think now if you're creating a game on chain you have to think how does everybody in the community make money how does everybody earn mm-hmm. inside this game and it's a fundamental shift. And I think one that's very positive. I mean, if you want to frame gaming, you know, as, as, as I, you know, the biggest, you know, country in the world, China, 1.4 billion people, but biggest, you know, religion in the world, Christianity, two and a half billion people. All right. Facebook, almost 3 billion people, but the really truest biggest community in the world are gamers, 3.2 billion gamers around the world. And it's 180 billion us dollars in revenues around gaming. My teenage sons, all their time and treasure goes into gaming. Here's the crazy thing, though, is it's like Morpheus and Neo mm-hmm. in the Matrix. Like they are in bondage and they don't know that they're in bondage. Right. They don't own anything. They don't own any of it. The game shuts down. Bam, sorry. They, they're not allowed to freely sell things in a secondary market. Um, you know, they get nerfed which is like, you know, let's say you have like a, a, a kick-ass laser rifle and then it gets turned into a Nerf gun, right? It's kind of like a, a term, a phrase to say that your um, accoutrement, your yeah. weapons and other stuff have been reduced in uh, power. Um, sorry, can't can't do anything about it. Uh, actually, Vitalik Buterin, the founder of Ethereum, the genius, uh, boy genius around that, he cried himself to sleep when he was 10 years old because... Um, his World of Warcraft account got nerfed and he was like, you know, kind of like a 
superhero or almost super villain he could have gone the wrong could have broke bad he's like right. i swear <laughs> that i shall create a world changing technology that yeah. will eliminate the possibility for someone to nerf me ever again <laughs> and uh um I probably should have done it with a Russian accent. I would have yeah. said uh, a, a lot, a lot. But better. from his trauma, but, uh, we're all benefiting from his trauma. We're, we're, yeah. we're, we're, we're all benefiting, right? So, so now there's a game in the uh, um, uh, in Vietnam by a company called Sky Mavis. It's called Axie Infinity. It's right. a Pokemon esque game. Uh, you have three different axes. Um, there's you know bird type and you know, reptile and you know uh, aqua and etc. And then you have um, uh, cards uh, that you can um, uh, play uh, to uh, focus and compound their power, and you do battling and you do um, you know breeding as as well too. And people own these axes, mm-hmm. and then they earn money from doing the battling and breeding. And what happened around this time last year? Um, it's only been about a year. Someone figured out that they could get other people to do that for them. They could have other people manage that, give a scholarship as as it's called now, um, to a uh, started in the Philippines. Um, hey, I have these axes. I paid maybe five bucks for them, but now they're worth hundreds of dollars each. Uh, and we need you know a few hours a day to be able to uh, have them effectively fully yield. Uh, can you manage them for me? And it's uh, spawned an entirely new uh, you know economy. In many mm-hmm. ways, and that's that's what really pulled me into this because I want to go on a quest, uh, you know, using game metaphors, that where I can do well, like there's financial incentive, but also do good. And yeah, you know, one thing that I've seen after all this time in China is that China is really leading the charge when it comes to artificial intelligence and automation, right. and that's being further accelerated by COVID. And there is like 2030 is going to be very different. 2040 unrecognizable yeah magic. if you think about that like 2000 was different yeah but you know 2010 was a lot more different because the iphone had been out in 07 and that changed things mm-hmm. but we're talking about you know the change between 2000 to now 20 you know not, not, not even 2000 let's say 05 to now you know not that you know no, no smartphones and you know a few other services that that don't exist, but it's going to be a very, 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 very stark change, like a seismic societal shift. It is inevitable. Mm -hmm. There are going to be hundreds and hundreds of millions of jobs that will just go bye-bye. We're talking baristas and drivers and, you know, even cooks and also, you know, even like legal clerks, like anything that can is repetitive and it's, it's going to feel like it's happening all at once, but it's already begun. And, uh, I, I do a lot of channeling of China. I do a lot of public speaking because of my professorship and because of my experience there. And, you know, I'm, I'm not an expert or an expert, somebody who's made every mistake possible. And I've made a lot of mistakes, but I have more mistakes to make. But I'm, you know, decent at, you know, uh, uh, channeling China and making it, um, you know, uh, digestible for, for foreign audiences. And mm-hmm. oftentimes people ask, like, what's going to happen with AI and automation? Like, isn't that... Isn't that going to really affect us here in Brazil or in, you know, UK or, or, or other places? And yeah, yeah, it, it will. It certainly, certainly will. And like, what's going to replace those jobs? I don't know. Yeah. 
as they say yeah. in Chinese. I had no idea. No idea at all until uh, I got that call from Yat and he told me about what was happening in the Philippines. And I was like, ah, managing digital assets in the, in the metaverse. Like, right. If you think about it, there are so many parallels to the real world. Like I'm in this villa here in, uh, um, in Bali and it's a long-term rental, but there's short-term rentals around the corner. Somebody owns the villa, but there's plenty of staff that help to, you know, market it and, you know, rent it out and clean it and do the pool and do the, you know, the gardening and do every, you know, everything else. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's somebody that owns a restaurant and that restaurant is an asset and it yields and they have plenty of staff. Somebody has a car, lend it to their cousin, their cousin drives it for, you know, Lyft or Uber. They give them a cut. Like it's an asset that yields. Not all assets yield. This t-shirt, it's the, it's a declining asset, right? It's something where it's just more utility than it is anything sort of, um, you know, uh, high fashion or status. Uh, and most assets are like that. And a lot of assets in gaming will continue to be that way. But there are going to be valuable assets, land, characters, spaceships, weapons that will go up in in value. And people will be managing that. And I have a guild here in Indonesia, a gaming guild. It's basically a group of scholars, quote unquote scholars, who manage axes for me. And they make around a dollar an hour. And a buck an hour is it doesn't sound like much if you're in the West, but the GDP per capita in Indonesia is around is under five thousand dollars, so it's less than a hundred dollars a week. But that is very skewed because there's a lot of people that make you know far less than right. you know a lot of people that make forty bucks a week. That's a buck an hour. Yeah. Um, and uh, so now what's happening is people can drastically supplement their income or even substitute. And, you know, if I, I just like did, you know, back of the, you know, envelope math, like a billion people, how could this impact a billion people? You know, I think that it's at least five or six people that one earner in the developing world impacts on, right? One or two generations above, you know, maybe their, you know, spouse or partner, and then one or two generations below. So if you get 165 million people playing doing play to earn, then that, uh, that has a, you know, trickle down impact on a billion people around the planet. And there, mm-hmm. and like, we can't even, you know, this is less than a year old and we can't even imagine necessarily all of the different roles in the metaverse that people will be doing with digital assets. And like, we're talking like we could have 1.65 billion people doing mm-hmm. that in the future. And mm-hmm. it's going to be extremely common and it's already, it's, it's already begun. Do, do you think anything, any digital game or any digital game franchise that doesn't adopt play to earn? Do you, do you do you see all games going this way in the next five years? That that all major brands that have games will have this component baked into them. You know, um, Mr. Serena Williams, uh, Alexis Sohanian, uh, he's the co-founder of Reddit, and mm-hmm. he has a. Um, uh, he has a VC firm, seven seven six, and he was just quoted as saying that he believes in five years, ninety percent of all games will be um, on chain. On chain, um, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, and he's putting his flag in the sand, and you know, he's a visionary guy. Um, I mean, Yat, CEO, our you know chairman and uh, uh, co-founder. I mean, his school of thought is that like once you actually 
get a taste of ownership. Like the way that he frames is that we are digital serfs, S-E-R-Fs, and we live under these fiefdoms, the house of Zuckerberg, right? The lords of Google, Blizzard Activision, Twitter, TikTok, you know, Steam, whatever, right? And it's, it's, it's partially social media, but you know, like our data is the most, like all the companies that are valuable in the world, they're, they all have data. Yeah. It's not, it used to be oil companies or companies that had, you know, commodities, but it's really about data and we freely give our data away. We're, we're toiling in the soil of our Lord in the distance. And at the end of the harvest, here you go. We have 500 kilos of sweet potatoes. Okay. You may keep 35 kilos. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for protecting us. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, you know, back to our, you know, short brutish lives. Right. Um, and then you take somebody from, you know, the, that era to modern day era. And they're like, are you a, uh, are you a Lord? And it's like, uh, no, I'm not a Lord, but you have your own home and you have all of your teeth and like yeah. you eat non-seasonal fruit. Well, yeah, we created something called capitalism. Um, and you know, you know, democracy is a big part of that, you know, as well too. And, um, now, you know, there's so much more for everybody. And they're like, that doesn't, I, I don't get it. It doesn't make any, it doesn't compute. Yeah. Right. It's just, it's just inconceivable for people with that mindset. And in some ways we are those people. Mm-hmm. We're, we're literally, we need to be red pilled and touch the mirror and get yeah. out of our, you know, sort of digital bondage like Neo. Right. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's not even hyperbole. Yeah. Um, like we can't even think that there is an alternative in some ways. But that future is now it's, it's started like all our traditional currencies, uh, you know, time, money, energy, data, right now it's like that, that sovereign freedom switch has flipped or it can flip and then structures being laid, we can investors. And, and now, you know, there's an infinite number of digital assets, but you know, 90 to 95% of them may not be worth a whole lot, but you know, the percent that do, you know, it's gonna, it's gonna spur so many different economies and different, you know, new types no, of jobs. can't even imagine out. Yeah, the, the fluidity imagine. and just, you know, just lack of friction mm-hmm. um, around that is going to spawn, you know, incredible new, you know, opportunities. And yeah, the food coloring is in the swimming pool. Yeah. If you flail, flail around in the swimming pool and try to push it away, it's just going to mix it up and spread it more. Right. So it, 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 ain't, it ain't going out. It's crazy how a lot of the world doesn't realize the world changed that rapidly that fast with mm. digital. I mean, I think they're finding out if they go, if they do a few more clicks than they're used to or taps on their phone or whatever in this direction of web three, they'll start to find out this like, Oh my gosh, like what this Axie infinity game, a third of the world can earn more money playing, a, playing it than they can find as a job in a, mm. succum- you know, reasonable circumference around them. That's that blows your mind. Right. And you know, every game will only has probably a shelf life in it in like two to three years, but that's, that's the job of all these other, you know, other games being spawned up, you know, that's, that's the blessing and, and amazingness. Rich, tell me a little bit, I know we're ending kind of the, the, you know, going more to towards future focus here, but tell me where this is going. Like what, what verticals are you excited in? Where do you, where do you want to see your focus in this area? What, what, you know, types of verticalization or, you know, different, um, you know, tangential markets or similar markets that you're seeing, what, what excites you in this play to earn space in the future, you know, in a world where, you know, there's going to be another play to earn, you know, street fighter game, <laughs> play to earn uh, Mario Kart game, you know, every type of play to earn game you can think of play to earn clash of clans, whatever. 
um, what, what excites you? What's, uh, where are we, where are we going with, with this and where do you want to see your, your role, you know, play in, uh, you know, the elevation of these verticals? Mm. Yeah. So, you know, our thesis is that as web three, uh, grows, it will become more decentralized. I, I, I personally doubt it's going to be, you know, as decentralized as, uh, people, uh, believe or or want it to be, but it will be less centralized than than Web two, I believe. And you know, we want to grow the entire ecosystem. So, you know, mm-hmm. we did 120 deals last year, Animoca Brands, and uh, we're you know uh, owners of you know Sandbox, where Snoop Dogg has land, and right. you know, we're the first money into Axie Infinity and um, Yield Guild Games, which is one of the you know leading guilds in the world that are. Um, putting scholars towards Axie and other, uh, other games as well too. And, um, we have a metaverse fund and we have funds with different chains, um, as well too. So we're a good egg in the ecosystem and we want to help grow and see the ecosystem and, uh, cross pollinate things. And, you know, the, the core of what we are doing is around games just because gamers get this gamers are very digitally savvy gamers get uh, digital currencies, um, gamers, you know, already putting all their time and treasure into this, as we said. And, um, we believe that there's going to be, you know, it'll be a quarter of a trillion market, um, in, in the coming years and <clears throat> just, uh, just gaming alone around, uh, you know, on-chain gaming. And, you know, I'm, uh, I'm starting a, an accelerator for guilds. Um, I'm also investing and in looking at a lot of play to earn games and, a lot of play to earn, mm-hmm. uh, you know, mechanism across other um, industries as well too. And you know, the other thing that excites me is that the developing market is really participating in this. You know, Web One was all Silicon Valley. Web Two uh, started with Silicon Valley, and then China and Europe got a little bit more involved. And you know, Asia, you know, the rest of Asia only you know marginally involved. But now you can really see most crypto ownership. Two thirds is in uh, is is in Asia, and um, you know, 60% of the world's population is here, but 80% of the, the dynamism and opportunity is here, I, I believe. Mm-hmm. So I'm really happily based here in the Island of Gods in Bali. So I'm excited to see what's going to, you know, uh, happen and spawn from, um, from here, you know, Indonesia is the fourth largest country in the world. And then, you know, China and India, number one and two, U.S. number mm-hmm. three. And um, so lots of, um, lots of people here. Uh, yeah. Lots of, um, you know, uh, opportunity to, to leverage, uh, that, that, that hive mind and, uh, you know, and energy and optimism. So I'm excited about that. I love it. I love it. Rich, you, you spawned one last question that, that, um, I think, uh, a lot of people are asking now, like, you know, play to earn games, NFTs, blockchain, a lot of different terms, but then there's the metaverse and a lot of people are confused how, how the metaverse relates to all these things. Like what came first, the chicken or the egg, but, um, what's your viewpoint on the metaverse? Is it like, what, what's the metaverse from your standpoint? Are there multiple metaverses or sub experiences? And is it like uh, Wreck-It Ralph too, right? Ralph breaks the internet where they're in that grand central station area. And then they're going into mm. different games is, is mm. it, it feels like there's gonna be a lot of bridges. And so you play a little bit in Decentraland over here. You got your, your um, Axie infinity character. You can bring them over into the sandbox here or Decentraland over here. But mm. uh, what, what's the metaverse and why, why now? And what's have to do with play to earn and NFTs? How, how do those concepts interrelate? You know? Mm. Yeah. I'm going to channel the app, you know, yeah parallels metaverses to cities 
Right. So, you know, uh, I love going to Miami. Uh, wow. What a, what a, you know, excellent flavor to that place. It just has like its own unique, you know, sort of, uh, you know, the weather and the architecture right. and the food and the people and the music and everything. Right. I also love going back to the, the city of Boston where, where I'm from. Right. That's, that's pretty, pretty different. And then man, you know, um, Ubud, which is a, you know, tiny community here and, uh, up in the, uh, jungles of, um, Bali, you know, very, very spiritual, but then you have, you know, uh, Beijing, you know, the culture and, mm -hmm. uh, I love, I love all 22,000 restaurants in Tokyo. And then you have, you know, I love also, you know, uh, the city of, uh, Bern in Switzerland. It's a tiny right. little, little, little city, right? It's like, so if you just, you know, and, and of course London is, you know, this amazing dynamic ecosystem in Berlin and like, you just, you just start like, I just bring up all these cities and pause a little bit. So you can kind of evokes like a feeling. Um, and just because I'm going to Berlin doesn't mean, or, you know, I live in Berlin doesn't mean I want to go and spend some time, you know, down in uh, Florence in Italy. Right? right. And I think it's going to be the, the, the same with metaverses. There's going to be all of these um, very, you know, multifaceted, you know, flavorful, you know, experiences. Some of them will be, you know, uh, much more, uh, deeply immersive than others. Um, you know, William Gibson said the future is here. It's just, um, not evenly distributed. And right. I think that the meta, the metaverse is already here. I mean, you can go deep into VR and AR right. and, you know, or people are already living their lives virtually in so many ways. Right. Um, and it's just going to get more and more boiled like a frog, more and more and more immersive. Um, right. And I think, you know, if you look, it's been 15 years now since the iPhone came out like a few weeks ago, 15 years ago. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I have a six-year-old uh, daughter and, you know, I think when she gets to high school, she's going to be like, didn't you used to have like these rectangles of glass that you yeah. would put in your back pocket? Like, <laughs> wouldn't, wouldn't that just break all the time? Isn't that kind of silly? And it's like, yeah, 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 we, we, we did that and we didn't think anything, you know, silly yeah. about it. Right. But it's like, you know, there's, there, there's going, it's been 15 years now and it's like, it's like ready to burst. There's going to be some sort of mm -hmm. augmented reality, something, you know, that yeah. we'll be able to have this fully immersive, you know, um, uh, digital experience while still seeing, you know, everything else. And then, you know, then that's going to pull us deeper and deeper. You know, I think there will be some people that will go full, you know, uh, full VR, and, yeah, you know, matrix esque in the, yeah. in the not too distant future, but I think that's going to be fringe. But I think, you know, we're just going to be much, much more uh, deeply embedded yeah. into, um, you know, I, there's one guy that I love named Balaji, uh, B A L A B A L A G I S, mm -hmm. um, Sravasanan is his last name, and I think it's really worth listening to go, going to B A L A G I S dot com, mm -hmm. and listening to some of his visions of the of the future, um, of nice. where, uh, of, of where things will, will, will go with, with web three. And, um, yeah, even, even physically, I think people will be moving to places where, Hey, I can, you know, get the best yield and the best sort of tax, the best sort of, you know, uh, lifestyle. I'm going to actually physically move to this place because right. You know, it's already happened in the Bahamas and yeah. it's happening in other places uh, around the world as well too. So, 
You know, that's it. another thing COVID is just changing. If one can live anywhere in the world, then I choose right. the dusty, polluted northeast suburbs of Beijing. Yeah. Please? No, I don't. I choose yeah. Bali. Yeah. You have, just wake up. You're like, I don't need to be now. here. Yeah. yeah. I don't need to be here, but I, I'm, I very much happily choose yeah. to be here. And then this little yeah. pinhole to the rest of planet Earth, and I can have amazing dynamic conversations with you and, you know, just about, you know, anybody else who's out there. And it's beautiful. I love it. I love it, Rich. Well, this is, this is great. Yeah. I mean, we can jam out on so many other topics and it's so mm-hmm. rich and engaging uh, just to have these conversations with you and kind of just take a deep breath. I mean, you and I are probably, you know, millions of Zoom calls a day, but it's, it's, it's really refreshing uh, to hear your story, your, 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 uh, your mindset on all of these things. And, it, you know, it's great to see your experience and how you threaded that into what you're doing, you know, have that, having that contrast of so many different um, global experiences and, you know, yeah, if, achieving that oscillation too of just, you know, in person going to different countries and seeing that different experience. And, you know, hopefully we're not just sucked into the metaverse and just doing that all day, but hopefully, you know, if you're in the metaverse, <laughs> at least three to six hours a day, you're at least, you know, out in the open, breathing fresh air and good, a good, nice, great climate. Good I mean, I, I kind of feel like I'm already in there, right? I'm, right. I'm, we're, we're in the metaverse right now. Right. I guess you could call this, you know, this is not, this is not real. This yeah. is not like, you know, the disclosure, this is a history. big background I have. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, I'm, I probably do all, all that much time already, you know, um, and um, it's just, you know, how we, you know, like Pong, Pong was a, was a video game and super basic, but, you know, pretty different from some of the, uh, you know, uh, games that are available now, but it, you know, a game nonetheless. So yeah. I was as addicted to Pong as, you know, my boys are addicted to their, their games now. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. Rich, uh, this is great. I appreciate it. And, um, the last question for sure is if our listeners want to get in touch with you or reach out, say hi, what would be a good way to do so? Yeah. So it's, it's interesting. I, I've never had a website in my life, even though I've been a digital professional for almost 30 years. And, uh, I'm, I'm launching the rich Robinson.com, uh, you know, uh, within, uh, by next week. Uh, because it's it's called the Rich Robinson Show, my podcast that I'm launching. Nice. So it's the the Rich Robinson dot com slash show slash show, and Richard Robinson at Twitter and yeah, um, same on uh, same on LinkedIn, etc. Awesome, awesome, Rich. Well, we'll let our, our listeners know this was uh, an engaging uh, podcast. It was just fun to jam out with you and hear about your focus and your passion. And to our listeners out there, this is the Pop Health Show. This show is for anyone that has a super strong passion in health, technology, the convergence of these two concepts, and just interested in making the lives of other people better. Uh, Rich, thank you so much. This was awesome. Anthony, thank you. Thank you so much.